Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Our text today is going to be taken from the reading we heard in the Gospel of Matthew. You may be seated. We begin with a word of prayer. Almighty Father, we give you thanks for the gift of faith. And Lord, we thank you that at times uh, you draw us closer to you by challenging us in, in our faith and in our prayers. We ask you today, Lord, that as we hear this very strange and difficult text, that you would grant us your Holy Spirit, so that the words of my mouth and the, dedicate, and the meditation of all of our hearts would be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. In Jesus' name, amen. One of the things I love about my, my job as a pastor is to preach. Uh, one of the things I missed a lot on the sabbatical was, was the opportunity to be with you on Sunday mornings and to preach uh, God's word to you. I love standing up and opening the scriptures and just letting the Holy Spirit loose, right? Like just opening the pages of scripture to hear it is what Jesus has to say to us this week. I love to be a part of that. Now, there is a lot of confusion about what preaching actually is. Uh, many people believe uh, that a preacher's job is to stand up and give life advice or to be sort of show sort of like a 15 minutes of entertainment and humor along with cute stories and nice Bible verses to make us all go home feeling convicted and but also warm and fuzzy and all of this kind of business. But that's not really the job of the preacher at all. The job of the preacher is to stand up, open up the scriptures, and frankly, just to get out of the way. Let Jesus speak for himself. The job of the preacher is to kind of remove all those barricades that get between us and hearing God's word faithfully, open up the scriptures, let the word loose, let Jesus free, so he gets in our ears and gets in our heart, and the preacher really should try and stay out of the way. And I, and I love doing it. I love the challenge, and I look forward to it every week. But then sometimes you come across a passage like the one we have today, where preaching is a little bit more of a challenge, <laughs> Uh, than uh, a super happy time for me. You know, a passage where a woman in need with a daughter who is demon-possessed comes to Jesus for help, and Jesus ignores her. And then when the disciples, who are so irritated with her, tell Jesus just to heal her daughter and let her go, Jesus responds by saying, you know what, I'm not working with people like her. And then when she pushes him, let me check my notes, oh yes, Jesus says this, it's not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. Yeah, all right. No, that's a piece of cake. Let's preach on that today and just make everybody feel good and convicted and warm and fuzzy. That's not exactly an easy thing to preach. When Jesus calls a woman uh, a dog, that's, that's a hard thing to try and figure out how to get out of the way of. So what do we do with that? Now, we know we heard the reading. We know how the thing is going to end. But still... It's kind of rough getting to the end of this account. So what do we do with a passage like this? How should I preach a passage like this? How are we, when we hear a word of God that we find difficult, anywhere in the scriptures, not just a passage like here, but any scripture that we find hard to hear and hard to wrestle with and hard to swallow, how do we deal with these? How should we respond? Well, I actually think we get a lot of really helpful guidance from the Scripture in this way. And, and, and we get helpful guidance in this particular passage, but also in the passages around it. If we're to read the broader context of Matthew, what we're going to find is that in this section, we are in Matthew chapter 15, in this section, we find a couple of ways in which we should not respond when we get hard words from Jesus. 
And then finally, in this account, we see how exactly we should respond when we have a hard word from Jesus. Now, the ways we shouldn't respond come to us. I'm going to share two of those with you today. Uh, They come to us uh, from the Pharisees and the disciples. If we were to read just before this passage, just before the encounter with the Canaanite woman, uh, we have this account and Jesus uh, has this encounter. We read about Jesus having this encounter with the Pharisees. The Pharisees, uh, you will remember, these are the religious leaders of the day. They're the people who believe they are right with God because of who they are, because they were born as Israelites, because of their abilities to, to obey the moral law. They're more moral than everyone else, so they're pleasing to God. And their ability to follow the religious rituals. Uh, they're pleasing to God because of how religious they are. And so they view themselves by virtue of their heritage, their uh, religious practices, and their morality to be righteous in the eyes of God. And they're worried about anybody else who isn't righteous like them. Well, one day they notice something about Jesus' disciples. They see Jesus' disciples eating and they notice that there is dirt under their fingernails. That the disciples have not washed their hands before dinner and therefore are eating with what they call unclean hands. Now, we need to unpack unclean here because this is a very significant word in the Bible. It does not simply mean that they were outside playing catch for a little while, they wrestled with the dogs, and then came in and started eating without washing their hands. That's not what that means. To have uncleanliness is to be unable to go into the presence of God. Throughout the Old Testament, you will read all about a lot of rules about being unclean. And there's a number of things that will make you unclean. Uh, Touching a dead body, touching blood, touching certain animals, eating certain foods, uh, interacting with certain people, especially Gentiles. If you touch those people, you are considered unclean. And if you're unclean, you have to remove yourself from the community for a while, lest you go to worship and spread your uncleanliness, and then everybody's unclean and God is angry. So the disciples, or so the Pharisees would say, that you need to wash your hands before every meal because what happens if you were down at the market and you accidentally bumped into somebody who was unclean? What happens? Well, now their uncleanliness is on you. And then you eat your hamburger with that unclean hand and that uncleanliness is on your food. And now the uncleanliness on your food is in your stomach. And if your stomach is unclean, now your whole body's unclean. And you know what happens now? You're unclean and you're going to the temple and you touch everybody there because you're shaking hands and giving high fives and fist bumps and all of this. And suddenly the whole house is unclean and God is furious and the Romans are going to come in and kill us all. So wash your hands before you eat. It's extreme, but you know, it's religion of the law. So uh, this, is, this is where they come to Jesus and they say, why do your disciples not wash their hands before they eat? Don't you know you're bringing God's wrath upon us? And Jesus sees this stuff, and he just, he just rolls his eyes. He's, oh, you've got to be kidding me, you guys. Listen, he, he gets so mad at them, and he tells them uh, that their, their religion that is so focused on these minutiae, that their religious rituals are worthless and faithless. He says, look, it's not the outward actions that make us unclean. It's not bumping into somebody that makes you clean, unclean or righteous. That's all a matter of the heart. Sin comes from within, not necessarily from without, as does righteousness. What makes you right with God is not, not bumping into an unclean person. What makes you right with God is not washing your hands before a meal. What makes you right with God is God reaching into your chest and removing your heart of stone and giving you a new one by his grace. That's what makes you righteous with God. 
Jesus says, you guys are so concerned about the minutia of your own, not even the law, but the, the minutia of the laws that you have built around God's laws, that you don't know how to love people, you don't, know how to care, you don't care about the deep, important things of the law. All you care about is your own ritual purity. And God has, wants nothing to do with it. Now, this is very offensive. When you tell people who are finding their relationship with God, their, their identity and their performance, and you tell them that God is not pleased with their performance, in fact, he thinks it's pathetic, uh, they get upset. This is an offensive thing to say. And so the disciples come to Jesus, and they say this. I love this. Jesus, do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this saying? Jesus, do you know that when you insulted them, that upset them? Like he was unaware that he was being this. Maybe you should just calm down a little bit, Jesus. Maybe we should take the teeth out of your sermons there. Let's, let's not be so harsh and so judgmental. They're pretty nice guys. They, they do things the right way. They're pretty good church course. Let's, let's not be so harsh with them. And they come to Jesus, and they say, let's calm down. Let's not be so offended. Well, after this interaction, we know what happens. The Pharisees, they don't like Jesus and what he has to say, and they're going to start working with other people uh, to plot his death. The Pharisees hear the hard words of Jesus, and they want to silence him. The disciples, worried about the consequences of Jesus' words, want to temper him, want to calm him down, want to sort of clean him up. Here we have two ways in which we do not respond or we should not respond when we hear hard words from the Scripture. When Jesus says things that are difficult for us to swallow. We should not, of course, be like the Pharisees and just reject the word outright. Just turn our backs on it and silence it in our lives. Of course that's not what we're supposed to do. This one is kind of obvious. See, we have this tendency, though, so we do need to talk about it. The religious leaders don't like what Jesus has to say because he is bad for their religion. Jesus comes to save sinners. Jesus comes to forgive sinners. Jesus comes to heal the sick and raise the dead. And that means he's going to be around a lot of people who the religious folks find to be unclean, unwelcome. Jesus is going to be bringing to himself all kinds of sinful people. And this makes the religious leaders very nervous. Because the Pharisees, they're the sort of people who come along and they say, we want to fix these sinners by laws and rules and rituals. The more sin we see, the more rules we want to impose because we know that's going to fix the world. Jesus comes to save sinners to take their sin upon himself, to take the blame for their sin upon himself, to die in their place and to wash them clean with his own blood. Jesus comes to sacrifice himself for those he loves. Pharisees want others to look like them and they try and force people into conformity. Jesus comes to have mercy. And so he doesn't help their project. These guys are more concerned about the type of dirt that is under the disciples' fingernails than they are about the fact that the judge of the law, the giver of the law, the Lord of heaven and earth is looking them in the eyes while he stands there in the flesh. They're more concerned about their own personal obedience than they are with the fact that God is speaking to them right there. Were they to believe that he was truly God, they would fall on their faces and beg him 
for mercy, but instead they're worried about their picadillos. They're worried about whether or not, you know, the latest Barbie movie is ruining our culture and if it's okay for Christians to still drink Bud Light or something like this. And so they just flat out reject Jesus. They reject Jesus and everything he has to say. And so Jesus says, leave him alone. He rejects them and their way of life. He renders those who are ritually clean as actually unclean because of the false faith in their hearts. Now again, that one's kind of obvious. I think it's obvious when we hear the harsh word of God. Uh, it, it's, it's obvious that we shouldn't try and silence what God has to say. He probably has good reason for what he has to say. But our tendency, I think, in the church, at least maybe uh, for me, and this is always the trick as a preacher, is to try and sort of get in the way of Jesus. Not tell him to be quiet, but, you know, calm him down a little bit. Do what the disciples did. Jesus, Jesus don't be so offensive. Just settle down. Let's take the teeth again out of your sermons. Let's use more inclusive, encouraging language. Let's not give undue offense. After all, Jesus, we're in a culture war here, and we need all the help we can get. You're concerned for, for repentance and, and salvation. It doesn't seem nearly as important as getting these guys on our side so that we can win. So let's deal with their sins later when they like us and they're on our team and we're all friends and then we can have hard conversations because then we all know uh, that we're good buddies and we love each other. Here what you have is preachers trying to make Jesus a little bit more user-friendly. They don't preach the word and get out of the way of the Holy Spirit so he can get to work doing his job of putting sinners to death and raising them to a new life. Instead, Jesus speaks and they stand up to do damage control. They become not preachers of the gospel, but PR agents for Jesus, dressing him up to make him more presentable. And this is far more dangerous because at least here it looks like they're trying to be on Jesus' side. They're trying uh, to sort of uh, be pro-Jesus. But the problem is, of course, that they're doing the same thing as the Pharisees, trying to put down Jesus' word. So Jesus says, stop worrying about pleasing men. Stop worrying about pleasing the Pharisees. We don't look for the praise of men. He says to them, let them alone. They are blind guides. And if the blind lead the blind, both will fall into the pit. You want to follow the Pharisees, which is what you're doing with your PR campaign, says Jesus. You want to follow them, you're going to go right into the pit with them. So, so here we have two bad ways of dealing with difficult words from Jesus. We should not try and silence him, nor should we try and calm Jesus down. So what do we do? When you hear a hard word from Christ, what are you to do with this? Nothing. Nothing. We simply listen and receive what he has to say. But we do this trusting that whatever words are coming out of the mouth of Jesus are for our good and for our salvation. In fact, this is exactly what we find with that Canaanite woman today in our reading from the text. This is a fascinating account. Before we go on, we're going to do a little bit of Bible study here. You need to know a little bit about the Canaanites to really fully grasp what's going on here. And here we have some harsh stuff. If you go back and you read the Old Testament, you're going to find out that the Canaanites, they weren't God's favorite people. 
Canaanites had a lot of problems. They were the ones who lived in the promised land before the Israelites got there, and they were really doing a lot of terrible things in that land. For example, they were offering sacrifices to false gods, and you should know that the sacrifices they offered uh, were their own babies. These were people who had debaucherous parties and called it a worship service. I mean, there was all kinds of immorality and sin and debauchery taking place in that, in that very wicked nation. And so God raises up the Israelites uh, to be his instrument of punishment upon the Canaanites. And he has this terrible phrase that he says, and this is one of those harsh words we don't quite know what to do with. He has this terrible phrase that he says uh, to the Israelites, show them no mercy. Can you think of a more scary word coming from the mouth of God? These people deserve punishment. Now, so the Israelites go in, and they take the land from the Canaanites, but they don't entirely wipe the Canaanites out. And so all the way up to Jesus' day, you still find Canaanites living around that region. Well, fast forward now again to Jesus' day, and we have this Canaanite woman who comes to Jesus. Somehow, word about Jesus has gotten out. And isn't this always the way? Someone starts talking about Jesus, and that message gets loose, and you can't control it. And everybody starts hearing about it. And this Canaanite woman hears about it, this, this man who has come and can perform miracles and who can cast out demons and who is showing mercy to just simply everybody. And so she comes to him, and the Holy Spirit's got her. The Holy Spirit gets in her ears and her heart's with this word, and now she's trusting Jesus, this Jesus who can cast out demons, and she knows her daughter is oppressed by a demon. And so she comes to Jesus for help. And we all assume we know what Jesus will do, but this is where we get this harsh word. We talk about showing no mercy. She comes to Jesus for help, and he ignores her initially. And again, when the disciples beg Jesus, please help her, he says, I haven't come but for the lost sheep of Israel. She's not an Israelite. I've come first for the Jews. But the woman, she's not letting him go. She won't let him off the hook. And so she says, Lord, help me. And then we get that very harsh word from Jesus. It's not right to take the food from the children and to throw it to the dogs. Now, how do you handle a verse like that? You're going to take the Pharisee route and just say, hey, let's preach on a different text today. Let's ignore what Jesus has to say and move on to nicer words, gentle Jesus, meek and mild. Well, no, you can't do that. It's the Pharisee move. We're going to try and dress Jesus up and be like, oh, when he said dog, he meant puppy. It was a term of endearment. He was being cute with her. They were, it was nice. It was sweet, actually, what he said. Maybe we could do that. <laughs> oh, the disciples, well, the disciples could work for politicians. Like, no, no. What do we do? I'll tell you what the woman does. She receives it. She trusts it. She knows that Jesus is right. It might be offensive for us. The Canaanite word receives a word from Jesus and then opens her mouth and says something wonderful. She says, yes, Lord. Yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. I love it. She says, I, oh, you're right. I believe you, Jesus. I believe your word. I know who I am. I know who the Canaanites are in relation to the Israelites. I know the situation. I know what's going on here. And I know that you have come to be the Savior of Israel. I know that you are the Messiah, the Savior of the Jews. But you know what else I know, Jesus? I also know that the Savior of the Jews is going to bring salvation to the world. And the great gifts that you are giving to God's elect people are going to be of great benefit to all of us Gentiles. 
And I know that a single crumb that falls from a gracious God's table, like yours, is going to be enough to heal my daughter from the oppression of the devil. I know you've come to overcome Satan and all of his works and all of his ways. And I'm suffering from them. So let me get one of those crumbs. Let me just get a little piece of what you have to offer. Because I know it's enough. And you just see at this point, you can just see Jesus' face break. Because she's got him. She's got him. And he's thrilled. I mean, he hasn't seen this sort of faith with the experts of the law. He hasn't seen this sort of faith with with his own PR team. Like, Jesus hasn't seen this. And he just loves it. Here he sees in this woman who was rendered a dog, he sees in her a true sheep of the good shepherd. He sees a true daughter of the heavenly father. He sees a sinner in need with no hope and nothing going for her in the eyes of the religious establishment. Moral majority won't have her. She's not the right kind of person. The, uh, the liberal left won't have her. She allows people to speak to her like this. Nobody wants anything to do with her. But Jesus sees in her heart faith, and he can't help but just love her. And she's God. And so she takes his word, and Jesus gives her both himself and his kingdom. And to boot... Her daughter is freed from the demon. Jesus answered her, Oh, woman, great is your faith. Be it done for you as you desire. And her daughter was healed instantly. Now that's pretty good. That's why you don't want to get in the way of the word of the Lord. Just let him speak. You and I, we need to repent of ever trying to get in the way of Jesus. Just let him loose. And after all, that's the joy of preaching for me, and that's what I get to do here today. So let me just get out of the way. You who want to silence Jesus or calm him down, it's time for you to repent and to become a dog in the household of God and enjoy these crumbs. Open your mouth now and receive the crumbs that fall into your ears from the table. You are a sheep of the good shepherd. You are a beloved child of the heavenly Father purchased with the shed blood of Jesus Christ. You are a dog in the household of God, fat and full off the crumbs that have fallen from the table. And Jesus, he's just smiling at you. And far be it for any of us to try and stop him from doing that. Amen. We pray. We thank you, Heavenly Father, for sending to us Jesus. And Lord, we confess that there are times when we receive a harsh word in our ears. At those times, Lord, teach us to die to ourselves, to repent of trying to prevent you from speaking to us. Lord, teach us to be like the Canaanite woman so that we cling to you always in faith, trusting your promises, knowing that all that you do is for our good and for our salvation. Grant us such faith in Jesus' name. Amen.